360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your culture affairs radio magazine, produced by the members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We are broadcasting live again from my house, but always live from Huchen, occupied a lonely territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area. And on tonight's show, well, it'll be my last show here for Radio Shack on Full Circle for a while, so let's take a look at some of my favorite clips of shows that I've done. Um, I'll talk about my reasoning for joining the program and what I hope to accomplish. And I'll also pay respect to all those who helped me in the program. All that tonight on Full Circle. Stay with us. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back here to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM and streaming online at kpfa.org. And tonight is a very special show for me as it will be my last uh, Full Circle show for a while. Uh, I can't believe I am saying this, but it's been two years since I've been in the KPFA apprenticeship program and it hasn't felt like that. It's felt like Especially doing the show for the last years felt like I've been here for five years or even longer than that. But tonight is coming to an end as last Sunday would have been our graduation. But as many things with COVID-19, it was postponed. And to me, the graduation is a very special ceremony in the apprenticeship program as it brings all of the people who are in groups from group one to where we're at now in group 44 or 45 or 46 i'm not sure which number we're on now we all come together and celebrate the history of the program and all the people that have come through it and we come and celebrate the group that went and completed the program and we give them a huge big graduation ceremony and i was blessed enough to be a part of two and help out in two with uh, group 42, Fortitude, I end up helping that one. And I also got a chance to be the MC for group 43, Dry Longs Arising last year. And the graduation ceremony is just a wonderful uh, piece of this history of this very, very important program. And just seeing all of us come together and celebrate the hard work because it is a lot of hard work when you're coming here two or three days a week um, during the evening time and then after you do all these classes then you gotta produce a show every friday for a year for six months to or what we did for almost a year now it's just it, it puts it all in perspective of the hard work and dedication and then when we have this graduation ceremony it just brings it all together we we have a lot of special uh things that happen with uh we have a speaker um we have uh like a just a really nice graduation ceremony and we won't be having one uh, this past Sunday, but um, we will be having one eventually because it's such a, an important ceremony because it does mean so much. But for tonight, I wanted to do something for the apprenticeship program and my group mates from Audacity and give the audience a, a look into our program and just play some of my favorite clips of shows that I've done. Just talk about some of the behind the scenes creativity of why this program is so good. 
But before I would get into that, first I wanted to just give you an introduction on why we chose our name Audacity. And if you heard our first show that we did for Father's Day, um, we talked about uh, the ceremony, the fire by the water ceremony, which is a very important naming ceremony that every group goes through before we pick our name. So I'm not going to explain why we chose our name, but Miss Theodora will explain it uh, from this clip from our Father's Day episode. So Theodora, take it away. The KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program is all about community. We spent the entire first couple of months in this program building community, bonding with each other. One of the traditions of the First Voice Apprentice Program is to have a group naming ceremony called Fire by the Water. This type of ceremony is like the powerful Native American practice used to release unwanted energies and attachments from the past to make space for new intentions. A fire ceremony can be used to release unhappy memories, fears, negative emotions, and anything that you're holding on to that doesn't serve your higher self. By releasing these unwanted energies and old patterns into the fire, you may space to heal at the soul level. For this ceremony, we literally had to stay out in the park by the fire in the cold, dark night until we chose a name for our group. But we came prepared, and you best believe we picked our name with a quickness. Take a listen as we describe in spoken word how our name, Audacity, emerged during this rite of passage ceremony. Three, two, one. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. That's from President 44. Do not choose the lesser life. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Choose the life that is yours. The life that is seducing your lungs, that is dripping down your chin. I've discovered that the harder something is to say, the more it needs to be said. So I've decided it's better to speak than to be silent. Because in the words of Audre Lorde, your silence will not protect you. Not everything that is face can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's face. James Baldwin. Poet and ancestor Audre Lorde says, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. We are vowing to let our name be a beacon, guiding us to the willingness to take bold risks. Our name resonates with daring, courage, fearlessness, to have balls, swagger, sauciness, heroism, and grit. Our name is Audacity. Audacity was here to stay. 
Uh, welcome back here to Full Circle on 94.1, and thank you, Theodore, for giving that eloquent explanation of the fire by the water ceremony and everyone else for our way we introduced our name of audacity i think it was pretty ballsy i guess you can say as the way we did it because we were one we were not trying to stay out in the cold all night <laughs> and we all had work to go to in the morning so we definitely wanted to come up with the best and the most audacious way to tell everybody our name of audacity and uh as you heard throughout the year uh when our group took over we were definitely 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 ballsy and our group more than anything wanted to tell the stories that were important to us so with every show that we did we gave you us and i think back to the time when we all first met and we had our first class with uh timothy of talk it out radio i'm giving you a shout out right now and in those uh non-violent communication classes we had a lot of great discussions and i learned a lot from our group and from that i could just tell from very early on that we were going to create a lot of great content and a lot of great stories i mean we had some great ones from miss theodora wanted to do a whole series on healing in the black community and how that was so important to her and hearing that and having the guests that she had on on all of her shows and there were so many great conversations and interesting people to hana and her storytelling which was so 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 amazing and all and everything that she went through she told so many stories she opened up so much to us and it was we were always in awe of everything that she told us and all the stories that she ended up producing on the air on the airways for kpfa um for kpfa and even to Shanice and KC, I mean, their enthusiasm was off the charts and their openness was so great. Their energy on their shows was something to behold. And I wanted so badly, I'm gonna say this right now, I wanted to so badly hear another Real View show because it was so good to just see how open and honest they were in their conversations. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else I can say about Eric Datboy Media. I mean, he was such a dynamic, young, hardworking brother who has such a creative mind and seeing how hard he worked every day. He came to this station every single day wanted to produce so much content for the station not just and not just for our shows but e but even for our for our social media page he did so much for the apprenticeship program and it was such it was so great to see his creative process and it was a truly a blessing to be around all these talented people and one show i truly enjoyed working on was the tupac uh tribute show with me and uh eric datboy media and we had a great time working on this show and coming up with so many ideas and a uh, shout out to Mari, who was an amazing board out for our show. Uh, the tribute show for Tupac, who was and still is my favorite artist of all time. I just love how we both came up with the ideas to make the show great and how truly of an artist he was with everything we produced in that 58 minutes of content so let's hear a great segment we have with uh ricky vincent and uh greg bridges on the tupac show by tupac shakur on his first album in 1991 which went gold by the way tupacalypse tupacalypse now but you know we've been 
moving pretty fast and I just want to slow the pace a little bit and you know for those who are not really familiar with Tupac give a little you know little fact about him so Tupac Amaro was a South American revolutionary who led the indigenous revolt against the Spanish rule the revolutionary would be executed by his oppressor oppressors and Tupac Amaro means shining serpent and Shakur means thankful to God in Arabic so and we're very thankful to have Tupac for the short amount of time that he was on his earth. Mm-hmm. The shining serpent that he was. Huh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And his so, mother guided him with that revolutionary politics mm-hmm. and the party affiliations. Right, right. God definitely had a plan for him, period. So, um, we're going to go into this next song, but before we go into this next song, Brenda Got a Baby, um, Shaq. Yeah. This uh, is a song that you picked. So why did you pick this song? Yeah, for me, this was one of my favorite songs. Like, this is Tupac at his peak, even though he was this was his first song, or one of his first songs from the first album. Um, it paints a really great picture mm-hmm. of everything. Like, the music video itself is so good. I remember watching it. black and white, video. and then he's telling the story. And then he tells so many things in three minutes. Mm-hmm. Actually, two minutes, because he raps it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. And, he tell, and it just tells a really great story. And uh, before we go into the song, I wanted to actually talk with Greg Bridges and just ask some questions. Like, what do you think is Tupac's lasting legacy? I think it depends on who who you talk to. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tupac was a layered brother, you know, mm-hmm. so there were some folks that saw or that gravitated towards one layer and some folks that saw and gravitated towards another layer. And, you know, so I think it depends on who you talk to about his lasting legacy. I know... Um, Tupac is one of the two people that I think of now when I look at the political state of this country. You know, I I think of Tupac and I think of Gil Scott Heron. I mean, because both of them were writers that reflected the times that they were living in, you know. And um, I always ask myself, man, with with this joke of an administration that we have right now, you know, Mm -hmm. what what would Tupac be writing about? You know, what would Gil say now? You know, um... And I, I actually, overall, I think Tupac's lasting legacy is just truth. Truth. What about you, Ricky? Uh, I, I I think he's a a role model for other people that go into hip hop and and they, they have to understand that you can't just be a one trick pony. You can't just say the same thing on twelve straight tracks. Come on now. Say, say that one more time for the people in the back. Say that one more time. You, you, you can't just put the, the same message out on every song and, and think that's gonna fly. Right. Uh, you, you need to you need to have the courage to say uh, more things about you and, and and how you see the world. And a lot of folks just get in one little shtick and, and somebody tells them that'll work and, and they don't try anything else. And and Tupac had the courage uh, to show all the dimensions of of who he is, which really was all the dimensions of our community, and that's why people love him so much. Absolutely, and I think a lot of the the new rappers in the game, you know, can definitely learn a lesson from that. You know, I feel like personally, everything is becoming oversaturated, like you said, with the message and everything. Nobody really wants to go go there, you know. And too, and I was one of the things that I really appreciate appreciate about Tupac. He went there and he didn't care what anybody else had to say, whether it was on black on black crime, whether it, it was on uh, single parenthood, whether it was on police brutality. You know, 
you know, hell, even exposing people in the music industry. You know, he really he really went there and and told a message. And I think that's why we don't really have him no more. And, and I feel like we don't have that person to kind of fill the gap with him and his message. Kendrick, for a minute, was doing that type of thing. And I was loving uh, Kendrick Lamar's approach. Yeah. Um, you feel like he's a little too too commercial? Uh, he's not too commercial. He His style is... Uh, he's, he's a little more introspective, and um, and that's that's good when you want to really think about things. But Tupac makes you want to uh, makes you want to act on makes things. Makes you want to do Show do. You know, he gets you fired up. Make me want to get my Malcolm X on. See, so that's another layer and another level that Gray was talking about. I mean, so Tupac is introspective, but then he's got that fire breathing side that uh, not everybody has. Other people fake that, uh, but Tupac was was honest. And all of us have these dimensions in us. We have our our contemplative, you know, side of ourselves, and we have our hell-raising side of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and all those are, are natural. We should be proud of those. And uh, when you channel Tupac, you can connect to that. That's why it's interesting that a lot of people say they revere Tupac, but I don't see them really... St- Studying and getting digging into what you know was really making Tupac uh, uh, somebody special and trying to go there. Back to full circle. This is all eyes on him. The Tupac tribute music show, and we're on ninety four point one, and we got our brothers Greg Bridges from Transitions on Traditions, and we got Ricky Vincent on the History of Funk, and we got Radio Shack, and myself, That Boy Media. And right now, we're just having conversations about Tupac, you know, throwing out some facts about Tupac, and that was Brenda's Got a Baby back in 91. And so now, what are we about to get into? Poetry. Let's talk about his poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, this is another element of Tupac that not a lot of people talk about, is actually his love of literature. And, like, when he was young, he really was into, like, Shakespeare and, like, drama. Like, when growing up in 17, 18, going to, uh, to Baltimore High School, I believe, he was he, dro- he joined the drama club. He was all into, like, poetry and all that. And that kind of got his, like, thinking going mm-hmm. to me. Like, you can see him painting a picture with lit- literature, especially at 17, 18. He was so—I don't even know how to say it. Like, he was so already— conscious of what's going on in the world at 17 and 18 that you can see that he was re- that he was well read in a lot of literature and uh, a book came out in about 99 called uh, The Rose That Grew From The Concrete and it was a lot of his books or a lot of his poems that he's written about and uh, we're actually going to play some of the some of the poems that he's written uh, produced by me and uh, Eric mm-hmm. and it's just going to have a, it's going to have a few little produced pieces that me and him both did in I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. I remember um, reading this book in the sixth grade. Yeah. And just was like, wow, like, this is like crazy. Like, this is amazing. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm very familiar with this book. Yeah. Like, even, f- yeah, like, even for me in high school, I use it all the time. All right, y'all. Well, we're going to get into some pieces. Let's go. The rose that grew from the concrete. Did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete? Providing nature's law wrong. It learned to walk without having feet. Funny, it seems, but by keeping its dreams, it learned to breathe fresh air. Long live that rose that grew from the concrete when no one else even cared. God, when I was alone and had nothing, I asked for a friend to help me bear the pain. No one came except God. 
When I needed a breath to rise from my sleep, no one can help me except God. When all I saw was sadness and I needed answers, no one heard me except God. So when I asked who I give my unconditional love to, look for no other name except God. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes when I'm alone, I cry because I'm on my own. The tears I cry are bitter and warm. They flow with life, but take no form. I cry because my heart is torn and I find it difficult to carry on. If I had an ear to confide in, I would cry among my treasured friends. But who do you know that stops that long to help another carry on? The world moves fast and will rather pass you by than to stop and see what makes you cry. It's painful and sad and sometimes I cry and no one cares about why. If I fail, in my quest to achieve my goals, I stumble or crumble and lose my soul. Those that knew me would easily co-sign. There was never a life as hard as mine. No father, no money, no chance, and no guide. I only followed my voice inside. If it guides me wrong and I do not win, I'll learn from my mistakes and try to achieve again. Can you see pride in the panther? Can you see pride in the panther as he glows in splendor and grace? Toppling obstacles placed in that way of the progression of his race. Can you see the pride in the panther as she nurtures her young all along? The seed must grow regardless of the fact that it's planted in stone. Can you see pride in the panthers as they unify as one? The flower blooms with brilliance and now shines the rays of the sun. Yeah, so welcome back here to Full Circle on here on 94.1 FM. And what you just heard, there was a segment from the Tupac tribute show that me and that boy uh, media Eric did back in September 2019. And like I said previously, working with Eric and being able to jump off ideas between one of us was was something I really enjoyed and was really great and it made for a really great show and it's still one of my favorites. And it kind of got me in a, such a Tupac mood that since this is my last show, so we're going to come to you right now with uh, my last music break for a while. Uh, a nice song by Tupac Shakur coming to you right now.
in the process, keep it going. About to lose my composure. I'm getting close to packing up and leaving notes and getting ghosts. Tell me who knows a peaceful place where I can go to clear my head. I'm feeling low, losing control. My heart is saying leave. Oh, what a tangle where we weave when we conspire to conceive. And now you're getting balls at the house. Guess you're cheating. That's all I need to hear because I'm leaving. I'm out the door. Never no more when you see me. This is the end because now I know you've been cheating. I'm a Listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM, and you just heard Tupac Shakur, Do For Love. And I, like I said earlier tonight, uh, tonight's show is more of a reflection show for me as it will be my last one for a while. And while reflecting a lot about my time here in the program, I think back to not only the times I shared on the mic, telling the stories, or helping my groupmates tell theirs. I think about all the people that came through and were really great mentors and offered great advice to me and my groupmates during our time here. Uh, doing this program is tough. Like coming two years is a long, long time to be committed to anything. Yeah, and I learned pretty quickly that this is still a professional environment. And once you take the mantle of having to host shows weekly, it becomes a very st stressful time with everything you're going through with your life and having work like for me like I work in special education in San Francisco and it's 
very stressful. It's also rewarding because I love what I do with the kids I work with because it gives me a purpose, but it's also tiring. But I still knew I had a commitment to this program as well. And I was always gonna help my group mates with anything that they needed. And to me, what makes this program so special is that attitude of doing whatever we can to help each other in this community setting. Um, having teachers who were a, a part of the program helped us so much because they knew what we were going through and can help. So yeah, during these COVID-19 times where we're in such uncertainty and we don't know what's gonna go come next, I just wanna give flowers to those who are still around and thank you so much for your mentorship and your guidance and for everything that you do here at the station and for the program. To people like uh, Teresa Adams and Janine, who were really, really helpful. Like they helped me so much. Uh, me and Teresa, we talked a lot about a lot of things and she was real. She was always on me, but I always, I always believe it was out of faith and to keep me lifted up. And that was something as a young black man, I always appreciated having to see someone that looked like me and that believed in me and was always on me, but, but, but never, never, never was down on the criticism. She was always trying to keep me uplifted. And I appreciate that so much, Teresa. And to you as well, uh, Janine, uh, I always remember our commentary class and just uh, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to break out of my shell a little bit, but learning a lot in our first class that we took with you in our commentary class really helped me break my shell. And I really appreciate that too, Janine. And even to the current apprentices who were passing the torch on to us from people from Group 42, like uh, Darlene and Ephraim, who was part of Group 41, they helped me a lot during my Thursday day shift when I didn't know that much or much at all. And they, even though Darlene didn't know as much, she she helped what she can. And I always ask questions as much as I can, same with Ephraim. And they were always so helpful. And I appreciate that as well. It was just, so, it was so many people. Um, I keep going on I'm, I'm gonna keep going on to people from uh Capitru to Antonio and to uh Joy Moore who we mention a lot on our shows as our production consultant but she is so much more than that um as one of the elders of the program her wisdom her wisdom and just being absolutely 100% Joy Moore was something to behold and I appreciate it so much because her her love for us was always so uh, definite. I, I appreciate that so much. Even when she also gave really great uh, critiques, uh, it was always out of love. And I appreciate you so much, Joy. And I always appreciated the food that you always brought to us too during our class, when you taught us a class, and also just anytime you randomly popped up during our editorial meetings. And just still reflecting on it, just uh, also wanted to thank Group 43, Dry Longs Arising. Like they were such a great mentor for for our group. We can't, we couldn't thank them enough. We didn't want them to leave so badly because they were just so great to all of us. From Kendall, who was part of me and Hannah's uh, Thursday day shift, she was so 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 helpful. I could not thank her so much for everything. Oh, she was so helpful with everything. It was it was really great. From um, from Mari and Aria, they were so great. 
um, to Sharon, like I can't thank you guys enough for all the help you gave me to our group. We really, really appreciate it. And to the great Stevie G, as he, <laughs> as I'm gonna call him right now, I could thank him so much too. He was really like a, a huge mentor for me. Um, we talked a lot, not just about the shows, our shows, our sports, and his Raiders. Or we really talked about a lot of life stuff, and I learned a lot from him. And I couldn't thank him a couldn't thank him enough for everything, especially the rides home too. I thank you again, Steve, for giving me those rides home when I was here at the station late night working on show. And uh, going in now got me thinking, going into my next clip here, it's one of my favorite shows that I did, that me and Stevie G did together is my uh, sports radio show, or basically my sports radio show that I got to do together with Stevie G for the Super Bowl. So come to you right now, just me and Steve talking and maybe a little um, collage there too from the Niners season. Welcome back to Full Circle, broadcasting live right here on KPFA 94.1 FM. And that was Bang Bang Niner Game by E-40. And what a magical ride the Niners season was for me, Steve. I'm sure. I'm sure you had some fun. But wait, before we go back into that, what did you think of that song? Because you... you... <laughs> <laughs> well, I just noticed. Now, it's E-40, so I'm, I'm not going to say much, but I just noticed that the whole Ricky Waters thing, he was already with the Philadelphia Eagles in oh 96. <laughs> but I'm not... But I digress. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to say take any shots. I never take shots. You're always hating a little bit. Just, just a little scrounge no, no, under no, there. Never, never, never. Love. <laughs> Love is what I bring to the world. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the Niner season, man, it was it was a really for me growing up as a Niner fan my whole life. This was one of the most fun seasons I've ever had watching a team grow from them being four and 12 last year and being six and 10 in Shanahan's first year. And now to come into the season 13 and three and the games they won being 13 and three, the games they had to win. It just it 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 just opened me up to like, man, these guys really have grown and they're becoming like stars and I didn't think like George Kittle would be a star feels good huh it does feel good to see somebody that came out of fifth round yeah and become in, on a trajectory be like a hall of fame tight but end but you see what really feels good though is that you've been a 49er fan as you said your whole life yeah this is your team and it's also yeah thanks your to my dad I'll shout him out right now thanks to my dad taking right. me out to games <laughs> All right, Shaquille Pops, making it happen. Yeah, he took, it happen. yeah he took me out the games while like six months old. Oh, six <laughs> months I can't old. Hear okay, well. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's the way to do it. So, so you've been locked in pretty early. Yeah. But that's what happens when you have a local team that's local. Yeah. And that the fan base can sort of build around and grow with. And you go through the highs and lows. Yeah. So, yeah, the lows can be tough. But when you get to those highs, and it's an exhilarating feeling. It is. Yeah. But, Steve, what do you think of how the Niners. I used to Built have that season. with the Oakland Raiders. Ra oh, come just on, Steve. To, just to say, I used come to on. have that. <laughs> you always got to bring it back down. <laughs> <laughs> they still your they still your Raiders. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Okay, okay, okay. But Steve, how do you how do you feel like how the Niners built the season from being four and twelve last year to now playing in the Super Bowl this Sunday? Well, you know what, the 49ers... Uh, really rebuilt themselves well because it really, really was just a few years ago. It was actually it wasn't like a flip. I know you don't like me talking about making these these transitions, no, no. but just quickly, the Oakland Raiders were actually on their ascendancy. No, they were, the, and the Four Niners were on their downward yeah. trend. And then look what's just happened in just three, three short three years. years. Yeah, it can happen so it's, quickly. It's, it's it's really turned around. And but they built themselves up the way that you would ask a franchise to be built. Uh, they found their GM head coach. Yeah. Right? They found that pairing with Lynch and Shanahan. Uh, they drafted the best player available. And even though it might have been a defensive lineman every year, 
that was the best player paid. Yeah, they just kept hitting them. The best player available one paid in, off. The, in the top five or top ten slot. Yeah. And it's paid off. So they have a strong defense because of that. Yeah. And then, of course, some fortuitous horse trading, you know, getting Jimmy G as a quarterback mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, sort of the funny stuff that goes on with the league and the Patriots and, you know, things happen. You ended up what, with the mafia. Like the, ma- the mafia called and yeah, Shanahan picked yeah, up the phone. I mean, and you know, they're, they're, they're a, um, you know, you ever heard of the dark web? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a dark side <laughs> of the NFL, too, and the Patriots are fully in, immersed in it. <laughs> we won't go too deep on that. Yeah, we won't go too deep on that. <laughs> you can watch on Netflix, though, to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> I got a documentary coming up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, I, I totally get what you're saying. Especially like to me, like the five essential players on this team that were on the losing end, from DeForest Buckner to Eric Armstead to Jaquiski Tart to Jimmy Ward, all those guys were on the loot, all the the losing teams from the teams from Jim Tom Sula to Chip Kelly into the early years of Mike Shanahan, Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan, excuse me, and to see their growth because all five of those players are now one; they're all starters. They mm-hmm. all become either all pro player type of players or have grown into really really good players, mm-hmm. and they have to me they they are what signifies what the Niners are brick by brick. That's been like their mantra, brick by brick. Yeah, and that's what you want. And and just as we were talking a little bit earlier about you're being a fan and being homegrown. Yeah, you're, what you just mentioned is the same thing, but within the organization. So yeah, players that were drafted. And that stayed around. Yeah. So they had a chance to develop, and they've learned what it's like to lose together. Mm-hmm. And they sort of reformed themselves, and now they're winning together. And again, it's an exhilarating feeling to be able to go through those tough patches and to come out of it. It's yeah. a, those are important lessons to learn in life as well as sports. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I agree. So I want. So now I want to let the audience relive that crazy season. So I put together a nice, quick. A quick collage. I didn't get a chance to put everything in it, but I put it in a quick collage for everybody to go and relive this Niner season that I enjoy so much. That you can play. Second down and 13 for Winston out of the shotgun. Empty center comes a blitz by Greenlaw and a quick throw intercepted by Richard Sherman going back the other way. Richard Sherman taps down. San Francisco. And I love it again. They're on second and 15. 49ers are down 20 to 17 with five and a half to play after their fifth turnover of the day. There's a gun run to Connor coming wide right to the reverses field. They have to send it out. out. Armstead hit him. He fumbled the ball. It's on the ground. The 49ers have taken the ball back. Right in point blank range. DeForest Buckner recovers it. Five seconds on the play clock. Quick snap. Garoppolo throws end zone. It is caught by Dante Pettis. Three receivers right. Cooks is left. Off back on fourth down. Throws. It is dribbled and dropped by Cooper Cup. Jimmy Ward does it again. And the 49ers take over on down. 49ers have a 9-0 lead. Wow. We're going through the record books. It looks like the 49ers have never won a game previously. By the score, 9-0. Nick Bosa will have the exclamation point. And then he will go on the slip and slide. Inside the 20, makes a move on Kyle Allen. They finally 
They drop Bosa at the nine-yard line. Houston 10, 49ers on their 39. Here's Garoppolo going to fake and boot left against Richie James Jr. there. Going to throw a deep Got shot. It. Wide open, George Kittle. 20, 10, 5. He is back. Touchdown! San Francisco! Down. They've got to get to the 35-yard line. They're on their 33. Garoppolo gone. Garoppolo back. He throws up left. Caught. George Kittle down the sideline. 40. Runs by a man. Stiff arms a man. Still pushing it out. Flag. Three flag. 30-yard field goal to beat the Saints in the dome. Russell Wilson back. Wilson throws. Caught. Hollister's hit on the goal line and dropped by Drake Reedlaw. He is short. 49ers come away with the ball. The 49ers have stopped Hollister on the goal line. What an epic, epic stop. Finishes off the best game of his life here in the most important game with a tackle on Jacob Hollister. Just dropped his right shoulder right into Hollister's left shoulder pad and stood him up inches away from the goal line. After review... Completed pass receiver was down short of the goal line. San Francisco will take over the down. First down. The Garoppolo's got a power out now under center. They're going to try to blast him in the A-gap and try to punch the ball out. He'll power forward. They'll push it right behind there. The 49ers are going to win the NFC West. The miracle of miracles. First, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest Hail Mary thrower in the history of football. They're almost to midfield where he can start doing that. Rogers back, pass rush holds. He's going to throw a bomb down the field for Devontae Adams in a double coverage. It is intercepted by Richard Sherman, who will go down. And the 49ers are going to win the game and win the NFC Championship game and go to the Super Bowl. What a way to end it with a deep shot to Devontae Adams. And it is Richard Sherman who makes the interception. The team is just, uh, it's incredible to be a part of. We can win so many different ways. I mean, Raheem, those guys up front, the tight ends, obviously, were just dominating tonight. It was fun. Okay, I want you to pass this over to George. Mr. Kittle, take this, will you? Now, here's what I want you to do. Take this and go around this stadium and let the fans enjoy this great moment. Go to it right now. Congratulations, 49ers. Super Bowl bound 54. We'll see you in Miami. So, welcome back here to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM. And what you just heard there was just uh, a clip from uh, the Super Bowl show that me and Stevie G did back in January. And I was so happy to do that show, especially with Stevie G, because we were both big time sports fans, especially him being a Raider fan and me being a 49er fan. It was good because I always wanted to do a, a sportsy talk show uh, on the radio uh, growing up. That's all I ever listened to. My dad is taking me to school and I'm just listening to sports talk radio. So being able to do that show and to do it with Stevie G was really fun and cool. And I appreciate it so much being able to do that. Um, so as we're still coming in and doing our doing reflections on tonight's show, 
just want to reflect and just think about why I came to the apprenticeship program to and tell that story. Um, I'm, I'm young. I'm like, I'm only 27, but um, I didn't actually know that much about KPFA. Um, I know I wanted to do radio. That's where my degree was in, where I came from school, but I never actually heard about a program that lets you do and learn about radio. I didn't think that was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about it. So um, hearing about it, I heard it from a person who also did the program, uh, Donna Bellarado, and she came to my job because she knew my bo my boss, my mentor, and she talked about me wanting to do radio, and we just had a conversation for like 30 minutes or until or almost an hour, just talking about the apprenticeship program. And when she talked about it, it really spoke to me, and I could just feel that oh, this is probably something I want to do, something that's very community based, that's something I can do and talk about and give perspective on and it was something that was really good for me to try and do because it was a, a a really interesting experience uh all of it was from the from the first orientation meeting to the interviewing process i think the interviewing process was probably one of the most intense things i've ever been been a part of just sitting down and uh with other with other applicants and just seeing a bunch of people stare at you and you have to answer questions honestly and be honest and open about it and i thought that was it was different but it was something that i had to learn and once i did that it kind of helped me be like you know what i'm just gonna continue to be open and honest and just do what i want to do here which is just uh talk about my community growing up as an african-american male in this country or talk about sports or talk about music which i did here in one of my shows that we're going to be talking about next which is um, the fat love band show i think that was one of my favorite shows just being able to one bring in a band a local band that uh miss m brought in and then being able just to interview them and just see what their taste and their music was like and why did they do this because it was a collective group of people just coming together just doing music and then sticking together and knowing you're not going to make a lot of money doing this but you do it anyway and yeah, I'm just uh, thinking about all the shows I've done and all the shows I helped produce and all the people I got a chance to meet. I felt like I, I really did accomplish a lot here. Like I I kind of, I did have a goal of what I wanted to talk about. I may didn't do like one or two shows that I didn't get a chance to do. But to me, being able to just tell different types of stories, like I didn't tell the same thing or be on the same type of show. I wanted to be on different shows. Like for me, I'm always been about just being vibrant and doing different things so i wanted to touch my toes and everything from uh doing from doing talking about the long shadow and the film about that to doing a show on tupac shakur to doing a totally different sports show to doing a band doing <laughs> interviewing a whole band <laughs> to talking about my father and in a, a, a tribute show I, I wanted to do it all and i really felt that I wasn't going to probably be able to do that at some stations if they had a program like this, but I knew as I began to learn that doing, if I was going to do a lot of things and get better at my craft and learning radio and learning the production side of it and learning the um, the operation side of it, I was going to be able to do it here. And, I, and this has been a really great place to do it here for me. It helped me grow a lot. And I can't thank uh, the apprenticeship program and Miss M and Frank and everyone that believed in me and let me into the program enough because uh, there's been a lot of growth in the last two years from me personally. Um, so let's get into this clip right now with the Fat Love Band, my interview with them.
Welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. I'm your host tonight, Radio Shack, and you just heard the Fat Love Band. Now let's learn a little about the band. Tonight we have the band manager, Bluma, and could you please introduce the band members and tell us the songs that you guys just played? Ah, I'd be glad to. Our band members, the band members of the Fat Love family, K.I. on the lead guitar, and Jamal, who is on the skins, on the drums, QT. My big brother, Byron, below on the bass. We've got Fat Richard on the keys. We've got my twin brother. <laughs> I love him. Wait till you see him. Luis, who gets loose on the lead guitar. And we have our captain of the ship of Fat Love, Fat Philly. And my name is Bluma. So actually, I want to talk a little bit about how the name got started. And I know it was Phil, Fat Love Phil. I was wondering, they said you were instrumental in getting the band started. And can you talk about a little bit about that and the name? Did you come up with the name actually too? Yes. The way it got started was that um, I just got a feeling that I wanted to play. Mm -hmm. And all the time, you see a lot of people saying, oh, I want to play music. It's just too late for me. It's too late. Oh, I can't do it. I used to do it in elementary school or high school. And I got this feeling I wanted to play. And so I just bought a bass. I didn't know how to play it at all. And I ended up going on the street to play. People were supposed to meet me. They didn't show up. I just went on a sidewalk in front of my ex-wife's cafe. I put an amp out there. I started playing by myself. Didn't know what I was doing. And people started coming out of nowhere. People showed up all of a sudden with a saxophone. And then they showed up. Hey, I got a guitar. I got a keyboard. Can I bring my drum set? And that's how the band formed. Did you also come up with the name? How did that come about with the Fat Love name? The key for me really is, it sounds like just a, a name, but the key for me is that love, mm -hmm. this is love driven. And I won't go too much into it now because we don't have time, but maybe someday I feel like love and competition don't go together. And everything we do in this life is competitive. We always yeah. have to compete. You got to compete for an apartment. Mm -hmm. You got to compete for a job. You got to compete for food. Somebody said to me, if you have to pay for things, that's a form of competition. If you can't pay 3000 a month for an apartment, you don't get a place. Yeah. So I want to play music on the basis of love, not competition. That means we allow ourselves to learn, mm -hmm. to make mistakes, go off course. That's a learning process. And that process to me is what it's all about. I love it. That's real. I love that. This is a question open for almost everybody in the room. Who are some of your mentors? And can you talk about any musicians that have influenced you? Uh, we could start here with uh, Bluma, and we could just go all the way around. I would have to say influence would be Tina Turner for me and Smokey Robinson. Old school. Uh, Tina was residual. She's like the phoenix. You know, she got kicked to the ground. She got back up. She got kicked again. She got back up. And I like the fact that she's a Sagittarius like me, and she was a slightly late bloomer, mm -hmm. like my name, bloomer, <laughs> like me. And Smokey Robinson is a creative genius. Two influences, my favorite. Uh, Phil? Um, I grew up listening to a lot of music, but um, the ones that influenced me the most, for sure, would be um, Bob Marley, uh, Stevie Wonder, Jimi Hendrix, Sly, Santana, stuff like that. But I also like, I love the musicians that are bringing the message, like Gil Scott Heron, Muda Baruka. I love that. Hey, my name is Luis. Uh, I'm influenced by 
everything from A to C. I listen to all kinds of music, um, even country. <laughs> I listen to everything, so I'm influenced by everything. I love music, so that's what I'm here, and that's what I'm doing. Okay, thank you so much, Luis. Uh, I grew up in Chicago listening to a lot of jazz music. So, you know, I'm a keyboard player. So one of my jazz heroes was Oscar Peterson. I used to see him every chance I got. I saw Count Basie. But I also listened to, you know, growing up in Chicago. Chicago was almost, the band Chicago was almost a, like a religious experience. Everyone had to go see them and <laughs> love them. Earth, Wind, and Fire I loved. Um, so a lot of, lot of different kind of music, but a lot of jazz-based music. And who are you? Oh, I'm I'm Richard, the keyboard player. <laughs> Fat Rich. Fat Rich. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Richard. Byron. I'm Byron on bass, and I grew up in the Motown, yeah. back with uh, Temptations and things like that. And then I gravitated towards punk. So I like, I'm a bass player. I like Bootsy, and I like um, Larry Graham. Those are my influences. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamal, the drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, holding down the skins. Uh, some of my biggest influences, oh man, I listen to a lot of music as well, like my brother Luis. Um, but I will say some names that not too many people know Kelly Takunda Orphan, um, and uh, Takuma King. Uh, they're African. They're djembe players, yeah. and I learned African percussion instruments. So that is essentially what I brought into the drum set. So those are some of my biggest influences. Okay. Yeah, Nicholas, I'm from the Caribbean, so I grew up with a lot of original whalers and some of Peter Tosh and uh, some of Jimmy Cliff and uh, yeah. the blues guys that I really followed, B.B. King and a little bit of uh, Hendrix and, uh, and uh, Eric Clapton. So what an influence, but uh, I love a lot of music, a different type of music because I grew up, you know, in a soca and reggae, so influence, um, and then I end up, uh, you know, branching off and listening to other stuff and trying to get more uh, more influence into other genres and players. That's great. I can see a lot of the influences in you guys' music is so dynamic and unique. I it's, it's crazy. It's giving me goosebumps just listening to you guys play all the time. <laughs> uh, so now we can get into some more music because I want to hear you guys keep playing, man. You guys are jamming out right now. <laughs> keep yeah. playing. And welcome back here to Full Circle here on Pacifica Radio, KPFA 94.1 in Berkeley. Streaming online all the time at kpfa.org. And what you just heard there was uh, one of my favorite music shows uh, was bringing in the local band, the Fat Love Band. Um, I believe they were from Oakland, California. Um, as we ha- as we close here tonight, just want I've been giving reflections on my thoughts and my the people I wanted to thank for letting me into this program and the, the mentorship I, I've gotten from this program. But I didn't think the the two most important people, and that would be Free Will and Frank Sterling and Mickey Mays, Miss M. Um, I don't get to say that. I know I, I probably do say it a lot though, but I'm going to say right now, these are the two pillars of this program and this program wouldn't be anything without them. And over these last two years, being able to just learn and see how they do everything in terms of radio and how it works has just been, I've just been in awe because I've learned literally so much just from Frank letting me just jump on the board early on. And honestly, just letting them just be me. Um, they gave me a lot of free reign to let me do stuff, and uh, they trusted me, and I appreciate that so much. So 
as I close here tonight, I just wanted just to let you two know, I thank you guys so much for everything. Um, wherever I go in this life, wherever this radio or broadcasting or media, wherever it takes me, I'm always going to remember you two because you guys were so much in my development and I cannot thank you guys enough for everything. Now, like I said earlier, this is not a goodbye, but just uh, see you later. And uh, as we close, I just want to thank the KPFA audience. Uh, I didn't know that much about the KPFA audience in Berkeley, California. Like I went here, I, I went here a few times, but I never like engulfed myself in the Berkeley community. But being in this community and seeing the people that every time I wore my KPFA shirt, they recognized it, they loved it because they love KPFA. It took me a while to understand like, okay, these you guys you guys are really uh good people out here and it's and it's and it's good to see that in the kpfa community so i wonder first thank you the kpfa listener for always listening during our fun drive shows or just regular shows and saying how much you enjoy our content and everything that we do i appreciate you guys as well so uh this is the end of the show yeah we made it to the end i didn't cry at all i didn't get emotional hopefully no one none of the people that were listening got crying and got emotional but uh this brings us to the end of tonight's show uh this has been full circle and we are on every friday at 7 p.m our executive producer is miss m our technical director is frank sterling joy moore is our production consultant uh it has been an honor for me to do this and i appreciate you all for listening this is shaquille stewart aka radio shack signing off and up next is londa baita stay blessed